Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. And welcome to To Boldly Watch, the podcast where me and my friends talk about Star Trek after watching it. I'm one of your great hosts, Jake Michaels. I'm another one, Zana Genre. I'm another one of your great hosts, Becca yeah. Scott. <laughs> we need to put more adjectives when we're introducing ourselves a little more. Okay. A little more confidence, right? Flippant. <laughs> oh. Well, you can, it depends on your tone, I suppose. Long Overly head. confident. <laughs> I think at this point we're pretty great. I think you two are great. So oh, I was I leading it great. to compliment you. Or even though I started you with fishing? Myself. <laughs> yeah, there we are. Uh, uh, we think you're great, too. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> what a fisherman. <laughs> well, speaking of fishermen, hmm. That's a transition I'm working on, but uh, sure, today's sure. episode is The Wounded, Ouch. episode 12 of season four. Speaking of a man mentally out to sea. There it is. Oh, that's that's what we needed, wow. Becca. See, it's a team effort. Call back uh, to a Moby Dick reference, too. <laughs> when a Starfleet captain apparently goes rogue, the Enterprise is ordered to apprehend him before his actions result in war. 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 Never changes. War what never is it changes. Good for? There were two different directions there. Yeah. Great. Multi multiple cultural references yeah, there, folks. Yeah. And what is this episode good for is my question. Oh. We get a sea shanty, and that is all I liked. <laughs> what, really? You don't want more O'Brien and Keiko backstory? And yeah, O'Brien lover here. I do like details about food replication. That is of interest to me. <laughs> One of the things that kind of irked me, because we have, I think it's a cold open, they mention the Cardassians or something like that, but then we go right into the dinner scene, right, with O'Brien and Keiko, or is that after the opening credits? Yeah, the order of this is a little uh, a little foggy. What happens is, is we open up with the uh, mentioning of the Cardassian border, right? Yeah. Because we're, we're doing stuff near them. They are currently our allies. They were once our uh, enemies because Picard relates a story about when he was fighting them back when he was on the Stargazer, right? Yeah. Oh, the Stargazer Kardashians? Kardashians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they are a problem. I mean, it's pretty yeah. clear that everybody feels pretty strongly about the Kardashians one mm. way or another. Sure. Um, and I don't know. I In think that galaxies. like overrated. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Vocal as long fry. as we got that in print, good. Uh, the But you're right, Xander. We immediately jarringly just go to Miles' quarters and he's having dinner with Keiko. But the thing that also got me was what he had on his plate was like Japanese food. Like it was just, it was normal Japanese food that was meant to look really alien and disgusting. And I was like, what, what? That that played a little weird to me. Oh, did it? I just saw it as he, I don't think it was supposed to look disgusting. He was just supposed to be not used to Japanese cuisine, which for me, having fish for breakfast is a little, uh, I guess I have smoked salmon this morning. Um, <laughs> I do remember when I went to Japan and there yes. would be like little cakes. When you're not expecting fish and there's fish, it's yeah. jarring. Sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's, no. it's also meant to be like the cultural differences between this uh, incredibly Irish man, yeah. which we learn much more Irish about him, too. Right. Uh, and then uh, Keiko and her 
Japanese culture, right? But like, it's always through food. It tends to be the first thing people jump to. But then again, we re- they've never had a meal together. They're like, what, are you, what is this thing that you're eating? It's like, <laughs> yeah. how long were you together before you got married? I right. know his potato casserole also didn't look Not very appetizing at, at all. all. I don't blame her. I'm surprised that in the secular far future, that uh, living together before marriage is taboo because obviously they have not shared that many meals mm. or breakfasts. It's weird. Yeah, I know. Maybe they're, maybe, yeah, they dated just on 10 forward for so long. Maybe they're a little mm. more prim and proper. Uh, well, we get that little, that little moment of, of him offering to cook for her in the future and like her being aghast about how his mother actually handled raw meat, like real meat. Oh, yeah, yeah. It. This was, was a kind of a fun like play on like, think about what you're doing in your century right now. Like, yeah. And how, and how weird barbaric it, it seems. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Haven't we talked about they're replicating this is like uh, the test tube meat that we're trying to create uh-huh. now so it can be, um, what's the word for uh, not barbaric, uh, uh, the pita wants, humane, yeah. Um, <laughs> and in this world, everyone's a vegetarian, supposedly, or eating only replicated well, meat that was never a living creature yeah. so that they're not murdering living things for their right. sustenance, which I think is a really interesting thing for them to call out in the 90s in a world mm. that was not as aware of vegetarianism. Yeah. yeah. It is really progressive for the time. And it's actually probably, I mean, I'm going to predict it right now. It's where we will be in the near future, too. Oh, we well, have to. just for climate change reasons. Yeah. I right. mean, this was it's my senior thesis presentation because I was like a real uh, put PETA stickers on other people's uh, <laughs> rabbit purses kind of high schooler. And <laughs> rabbit, rabbit purses? Look, I don't want to talk about that rabbit purse. Did you grow up in Orklands? Where did you... <laughs> All we wore all girls' school, and you had to wear uniforms. So your purse and your socks ah, were your means of expression. Gotcha. I understand now. She was a beauty queen. Anyway, um, anyway. she was a rabbit. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, but I I, I also love that exploration of that uh, for sure. And we get uh, before we can get into it too much because uh, actually there's a little bit of uh, a sex sexual reference. I know. I kind of was a little Trek? surprised. So isn't it interesting though, Xander? like. Well, they do reference sex actually a fair amount, and we even see sex scenes, but I we don't guess. actually hear them talk like that. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's what weird. was the line? It was she, like, oh, what if else? If you make something for me, I'll make something for you. Something like I'll that. do something special for you. That's it. Which yeah. seems to imply not only just sex, but something special about sex. Ah. New position or something? I don't know. But Using the transporter. <laughs> creative i'll transport onto you well may i venture to say that is not an export of japanese culture no it's the chief of transporters it's that's like xeroxing your butt (laughs) okay back on the bridge because there's a red alert is what happens it's very upsetting a plot It is a crazy A-plot. There's uh, a Cardassian ship uh, has appeared and started firing on the Enterprise. And the Enterprise is just like, whoa, what up? You see, we're like, you can't hurt us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're just leaning back, relaxed about it. Uh, and so before things get out of hand, the Enterprise disables their shields and is pointing their weapons at them. And so the Cardassians finally let up and open a healing frequency and let them know that we're attacking them. Actually, the lines here are really actually kind of crucial because Picard says, why are you attacking us? And the Cardassian says, interesting question. You always attack your opponents in, in war. Ooh. Oh, so this guy thinks it's war. It's, mm-hmm. We'll find out that multiple people think it's war. Right. And <laughs> this commander, Gull, Gull Masset? Masset? Gull Masset. Gull Masset. Gull Masset. Masset. 
He tells him that there was a science station that was attacked by a Federation ship. Picard's like, no way. Goldmaset says, absolutely. Picard says, give me an hour to just figure this out because this is kind of crucial. Does Picard not know about buffer time? Give me a day (laughs) to figure this out. An hour? Well, we got subspace, which usually is like a collect call in terms of time, right? Yeah, but... (laughs) <laughs> Give yourself some time. Yeah. He was weirded out by the Cardassian helmets, which we, I don't think we ever see again. So this is our first <laughs> introduction to the Cardassians. Yeah. We haven't seen the Cardassians yet, right? right? And these interesting helmets, yeah, that are like protecting nothing. Yeah. <laughs> seem to be more uh, poor design than anything. They're ceremonial. There it is. Yeah. Spoons. Uh, Cardassians later on, it's sort of derogatory, but they come to be known as spoonheads because of the indentation of their forehead. I think that's oh. 100% derogatory. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a spoonhead, you take big offense to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, <laughs> that's a re- that actually is that's a phrase that's used in Future Trek? Yeah, I can't give you an exact quote, but I right. know that it exists. Oh, that's funny. Interesting. Yeah, I read all this on Memory Alpha because I had a lot of um, feelings and thoughts after watching this episode. Uh, oh. Also, uh, Cardassians who wear makeup tend to paint that as well with like a blue eyeshadow. Oh, cute. I like the Cardassian face design in terms of like alien prosthetics. I thought it's very impressive. Also, are all Cardassians get butt implants? Yeah. Yeah, Those guys had great butts. They did. Yeah, Yeah. I noticed that too. If you uh, just as a general call it to anybody who's impressed with the Cardassian makeup too, in this newest season of Star Trek Discovery, there is a hybrid Cardassian character and they do such a good job on her facial makeup. It is I highly recommend it. it you can okay. see the first episode, I think, of the fourth season. What a, okay. what a pinnacle of a special effect makeup artist career. You know, you can do cool monster movies or you can do a space show. And they are going for it in Discovery and it's great. And yet, actually, so I watched these with David last night and uh, his point was, it's really interesting how all alien species that we meet just have um, ridges, human legs and arms and ridges. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we definitely have met, especially in the early season, a lot of weird life forms that were like amoebas in space and, um, and faces in space and jelly and, <laughs> and sludge and slime. Cute. But you're but you're right. It's also when we get down to TV level uh, aliens, we kind of need to keep it to human actor guest appearances, too. Right. Yeah. It can be in four hours in a makeup chair. And look that does. Alien. Happen a lot. I'm just saying more blobs. That's yeah. What I more want. blobs. This season's missing blobs. Yeah. yeah. That's always been a criticism of Star Trek and a, and a kind of a fair one, because also like I believe in the first series it was just a lot of this actor has sharper eyebrows yeah it's, it's a lot of <laughs> new that. race like, you know. <laughs> um so we get in touch with admiral hayden at starfleet who tells us yes uh the uss so many phoenix pips. yeah he's this a man pip has pips. yeah he's seen a lot of uh a lot of command mm. uss phoenix uh apparently attacked this science outpost and they haven't been able to communicate with them because they're ignoring all of their messages. This yeah. is effed up. This is like real messed up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We got to go look into this. So Picard doesn't know why. And he's he's told that Maxwell, uh, which is the captain, Benjamin yes. Maxwell is the captain that's gone rogue, uh, was like, he says, this is one of Starfleet's best captains. Why would he do this? He said, we don't know. But uh you need to go figure it out. The Cardassians are letting you into their territory because we are technically allies with them still, but they're going to require that a few of them come on board and observe while you're in their territory. Mm-hmm. That's Maxwell, a pretty... 
was also uh, uh, the captain for one Miles O'Brien. Right. So, we learned that shortly thereafter. Yeah. yeah. Picard searches through and he's like, oh, how convenient. Your service record gives us an edge. This is telling us maybe too much about you, O'Brien. Mm. Well, th- that's well. This is the, so. This is the scene where uh, the the Cardassians come on board, right? And they come on board via transporter where O'Brien is stationed. And mm-hmm. so Riker and Troy uh, meet the ambassador, not the ambassador, uh, Gull Delsit. Yeah, the Gull. The Gull. Masset. That is. They are. They are. That is their captain. Essentially, that is what their title yeah, is. Yeah, like Gull. a commander. Uh-huh. Yeah. And his. No. Uh, his little henchmen and they all look the exact same. They're in this really impressive, br- very brown <laughs> body armor. A lot of brown. <laughs> a lot of brown. Yeah. Uh, but impressive in terms of like yeah. the fake muscles it provides. Mm. It definitely feels like one of those little kid muscle suits. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I could uh, be a wrestler or Superman this year. <laughs> <laughs> but as they're leaving, Troy gives this look to O'Brien. Because she can feel that he is not chill at yeah, all. Because they introduced uh, him to to the Cardassians and he kind of gives a curt nod, right? But then as Troy's walking out, she's like, wait a second, you're real pissy, aren't you? Right? And, she's <laughs> having a, and he I looks wrote... down as if that evades his emotions being yeah. read. <laughs> Multiple times in my notes, I just have like, yeesh, calm it down, O'Brien. Yikes. A I lot. did like... I did like the acting choice there, though, from sure. Troy. Like, it was it was a really good don't tell us what's happening, show us what's happening yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and we with, with O'Brien, we have now this character with flaws. We got rid of Wesley, so we got to have... <laughs> all, all of the other bridge officers are perfect, right? If something's wrong with them, it's an alien influence, or something is wrong with the magnetic field, or it's Q. Well, but with the lower officers, they can be flawed and things go wrong in their lives. We learned don't take away Troy's superpower... Oh, she's going to go real wild real fast. But that's the thing. It's an, an alien influence or something that makes them flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We were, we're exploring a little bit more of those interpersonal dynamics that Roddenberry wanted to avoid for a long time. Yeah, but we're finally yeah, starting yeah. to get it. And it's kind of breathing life into the episode, I think. But I, I know, Becca, you are a little bit hesitant about that. Well, at the end, I'll say why I'm upset about this episode but um (laughs) so the observers are aboard the kardashians are in the conference room and i guess o'brien as the transporter chief would normally be here but because Uh the whole plot the whole problem is his ex-captain and he might have information he gets invited so we're talking with the card he is a maxwell hype man like he maxwell could do no wrong he's the best captain that's ever existed he wouldn't do anything like this there must be a reason it's like where have we heard this god comment complex before yeah huh infallible you say interesting weird yeah well there's a lot of parallels to things happening today that will pop up soon but o'brien gets very upset they're talking facts um o'brien brings up the fact that maxwell's whole family was murdered in this raid on a planet by kardashians and (laughs) you're gonna get in trouble (laughs) What? Just wait till we get to DS9. I wish I had more Kardashian facts. She knows what she's doing. I know. (laughs) Um, So the Kardashians burn everything down. Uh, They're the end of civilization. No. um, And and, uh, O'Brien takes great offense when the Kardashian response is see he's doing it for revenge yeah which is a logical jump but picard does this great thing in 
He's the ultimate ambassador and negotiator. Mm. Hey, 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 we're just dealing in facts here. Can we just agree on the facts? Uh, jump to 2020. No, you cannot. No. But um, <laughs> for now, we'll, we'll try. We jumped yeah. all the way back to 2020. We're still <laughs> relitigating it in the future, too. Yeah. From this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Picard also does a great job of being like, hey, we aren't hiding anything from you. You've been a part of this whole process. You're on board. You're in my briefing. You're listening to what they're telling me. Nothing's edited. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's trying to establish that. And I kind of like that also uh, he and uh, Duquette like, do both talk positively about peace. Yeah. For the most part. Like, even well, though they're. He's the one that, like, connects with Picard, right? Like, Masset is the yes. one that they're both, like, we are very similar and we don't want war no matter what. Like, we're kind of enlightened in that way. Mm-hmm. Sure, but our, sure. But our people should sure, be kind of sure. dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We hear the skepticism in that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Turbo Lift. Uh, the other assistant Cardassians mm-hmm. are like, yo, so what's cool here? 10 forward, you come in, bro? No. You want to like talk tur- uh, transporters? If I wanted to go to 10 forward, it'd be whenever I want. Not when you say I'm out of here. Okay, you baby. Like, what, did you see a down. bunch of your friends murdered by my people? <laughs> you guys, you, you just spoke about how we finally got flaws and now we're all making fun of his flaws. It doesn't mean I can't make fun of it. That, yeah, you talked about it. <laughs> Plus, it was a little intense. But it yeah. was, I really do yeah. appreciate what they were doing there because they were showing that O'Brien was acting like an asshole without realizing that he was acting like an asshole because all of these things were so ingrained into him that when people were asking him later, like, do you hate the Cardassians? He's like, no, I think they're fine. But like, clearly his actions, uh, he's he's buried something down deep down that he doesn't even realize his bias. Well, right, because his next scene is with Keiko. Right, and she asks, and he's like, I'm fine with them. But this was abs- didn't make any sense to me because it was a total 180 and ignoring, completely oblivious to his previous actions in the turbo lift. But that's what I'm saying is that people are acting and it's it's an analogy to like racism today. People can unknowingly be awful or shitty to someone else. Uh, and like you want to say, yes, it's intentional and they're a shitty person, but sometimes it's just so ingrained into these people. They don't even realize what they're doing or saying. But I hear, I kind of hear what Becca's saying where it doesn't make sense, but where it makes sense is if he's kind of lying to his new spouse that just uh, well, happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, well, uh, it's, he no, would no, lie no, to true. anybody about this and he's honestly lying to himself. Yeah, I think that's... he knows that he was an ass to them mm. and that he doesn't want to admit it at that point. Right. And he does harbor prejudices against them because of what happened because we know how he tells that story later on about the trauma that he experienced yeah he is prejudiced there is a lot of racial coding uh about this is this is what racism is this is essentially like no and as he says in that 10 forward scene uh he makes it about him but at the same time he he's making all these judgments about an entire group of people because of an act that happened during wartime Mm mm-hmm to him personally by specific people. Yeah. 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 He's problematic. But the, the purpose <laughs> but of the episode is to point to that teach. out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. His, he's also like a veteran of a war, too. So yeah. I, I don't I don't know if this was actually I feel like it was actually partially like the way GIs used to treat Japanese citizens after yes. World War Two was the one I thought of as mm-hmm. the closest comparison. In Memory Alpha, the writer said um, what I was trying to do um, and it was during I Mm, Desert Storm? 
the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I heard a Desert Vietnam. Storm comparison too. No, oh. no, Desert Storm. Desert Storm maybe. I don't know. Um, it was some conflict that was going on and talking about how when a war is quote unquote over, there is no flipping of a switch of this right. like negative propaganda that is mm-hmm. put out about the opposing side that, that uh, becomes a barrier. Yeah, and it's not like... Maxwell and O'Brien still didn't experience legitimate trauma from what occurred. Like, we can't dismiss that. But what it's led to is this awful attitude, right? It starts with an attitude. It does get to a point where it uh, can be dismissed. um, But we'll get to that. Mm. Capers. Well, (laughs) wait, but their their trauma can't be dismissed, but their actions should be dissuaded upon, like especially with what Maxwell does, for sure. I'm just saying that's the cause of it. Mm-hmm. But I do think they touch on the PTSD nature of, of all of right, that, too. Right. That it's not that they, are, yeah, the nature of where this attitude is coming from. Right. I mean, we can get out of our scene by scene and just talk about overall for a second, because I was screaming yeah. at my TV from once they figured out, once they find Maxwell on, right. of Picard, what are you doing? Yeah, because yeah. Picard does <laughs> yeah. give that sentiment of, I understand, this is a, a veteran, this is, he has PTSD, he has all these things, we need to respect him, he is still a captain for now, mm-hmm. so I won't put him in the brig. It was crazy. No, I mean, yeah, 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 I agree with you, Becca. It, it's He's- just absolutely, he murdered, we haven't d- recapped this, but he yeah. murders hundreds and hundreds of people and Picard lets him off easy and I think that this is like I want to throw out this whole episode it makes me so upset that this man isn't immediately treated as a terrorist and Mm. a mass murderer because that's what he is that scene is insane where he's in the ready room talking to him and he's like yeah okay I'll let you take command of your ship back we were like what? Well, yeah, it, it's all to like save face because Picard believed deep down that he was this captain that was really trying to do the right thing, saw the error of his ways and will f- calmly follow him back. But of course not. And, yeah, but that guy also was, talked like a lunatic yeah. in the ready room. That yeah. character didn't have any clear indication that he knew what he was doing was wrong. It's right. true. Now, like, I guess here's where it gets tricky is that I don't like this writing choice Sorry, I'm just jumping to the end. Yeah, let's get to it. There actually were weapons. And that was the whole thing of this crazy Captain Maxwell started murdering Cardassians and saying they're still at war um, and blowing up their ships because they had a secret weapons trade and were stockpiling in a way that was against the treaties. And um, Picard listens to him, takes Mm -hmm. that in, understands that this murder is unjustified because they do technically still have peace right now and maintaining peace is his job Mm -hmm. and the most important thing and what he was even tasked with by the Admiral. But um, I guess Picard's actions can be more understood if you believe that they were hoarding these weapons and that that is, you know, whatever, a war crime or breaking the peace treaty on the Cardassian end. Yeah. Given that, but I think that writing wise, Mm -hmm. I don't like how gray that makes it. I wish they would have made it a lesson just about um, like the difficulty of forgiving. Mm -hmm. Not that actually, but like, but maybe there is some reason there because I I think that's muddling the message. Right. I get what you're saying. I I see what they were doing, too, of like, even though the decision, there's a binary, right? Either Picard made the right or the wrong decision in this scenario. And they're saying it's not. It's these shades of gray. Like, if he had boarded the ship and and seen that, yes, they were carrying weapons, then you just have to play the scenario out. Okay, so what does that justify what Maxwell did with killing all of those people? Does, you know... 
what I mean? If Maxwell yeah. is right, are they going to war again anyway? So, yeah, I, I think they wanted the ambiguity, but it could have been neater. It does make it... The greatness also makes it more complex of an issue. Like yeah. Maxwell's still wrong in what he did because he did it without evidence. He did it on assumption. Yeah. And we also, we don't know the reality of that. I mean, it's it's kind of pointed to that, yeah, the Cardassians are, are gearing up for something, right? right. But like, I, I understand, I understand you want the more clear lesson of like, do not do this. But I still think we all agree that he's going to the brig and he's going to be tried as a war criminal regardless of what the Cardassians did, Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. letting the audience in on that. Yeah. Is it was that the right move or not? Yeah. I hear that, Becca. I think I agree with you. I think I wouldn't have wanted the Cardassians to be such an adversary at that point that it should have been an innocent mistake. But that makes it quite a tragedy, too. But I guess because at the time they were writing this as an allegory to war and of nations seeing each other differently. But just watching it now, it feels so relevant as a metaphor for racism. And in yeah. that way, it's like it gets a little. Conflated. It shouldn't. There should nothing. There's no reason war should ever be justified. There's no reason racism should ever be justified, in my opinion. Yes. So, like, having a, but maybe he was right, yeah. is just gross and dirty to me. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. how I felt about this whole episode. <laughs> sure. Did Wait, where did you feel he was, maybe he was right? Because there, he could have been because justified. Because that was, it was, true? Because I it never, was true? I never got the impression that he was right for that. I still thought he was a villain. And the Cardassians, yeah. though uh, enemies, are still somewhat innocent in what they did. Because it's not, it's also not against Federation law for them to move weapons around places, right? Well, then he, Picard even goes into the little tangent of like, oh, this wasn't going to be a science outpost. This was going to be a tactical station. Sure, sure. Like, you, you, we take Picard's word as yeah. truth, but, yeah. you know. Hmm. But are yeah. we deifying just as much as O'Brien does to Maxwell? Well, we find out just real quick, this was a thing that O'Brien was Maxwell's tactical officer. Yeah. And Maxwell complimented uh, O'Brien about his like skills of getting anything done that needed to be done type of thing, which makes me question, why did he demote to become a transporter <laughs> chief? You know what I mean? Then yes. we find out that there, there is, is PTSD. There is some fan fiction on Reddit that I stumbled into. That really? is really interesting, talking about O'Brien's life uh -huh. and the choices he made. I kind of just gave it a skim. And sure. gosh, now I have to find it for the show notes. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was like he chose to take the demotion after the terrors of war exactly. and needing to not have all that responsibility. Yep. He oh. asked to be in the room where there is no seating. <laughs> and, and yeah. <laughs> And yet T'Pol still kind of died. No, she didn't actually die. No transporter accidents. We're fine. No transporter yeah. accidents. No. None. Those are traumatic accidents, though. Mm -hmm. People just yeah, disappear. Just and then a little bit of goo just left. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say I had a, a Picard had some cool camera angles in this one. I think they're really trying to like do glamour shots for him. And he is for some beautiful. Of it, it really worked. He was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. They That's did some great camera stuff in the beginning. I think this is also the episode where one of the first shots of the episode is like through the two front consoles towards the com three command seats. Yeah. And we got some uh, meetings in like different parts of the ship that it's mm -hmm. not like a conference room, but it's near like the science station or like. Yeah. Yeah. And also in the scene when uh, the Cardassians and like in the council room where uh, Picard is briefing them and stuff. You don't know O'Brien's there until the camera widens Pans. out yeah, 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 as, yeah. as Picard says O'Brien's Because he there. wouldn't be there normally. Well, it's also like, a, yeah, not only that, but also it's like, here's our other card to play, someone who knew Maxwell right, kind of situation. Right. 
There was also a really interesting camera angle at the end when O'Brien is, before he leaves and before there's the final confrontation between the Cardassian leader and Picard, uh, it starts with O'Brien just being like, anyway, I know it was totally messed up what he did, but just want to say, still respect him, still a good guy. And then he leaves, but the whole time, in the foreground, we see the back of the goal's head. Yeah, a weird thing to say. <laughs> it was like, like that's the thing. He doesn't even realize what he's saying and yeah. how awful it is. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, he's but blind then, to that. But then the gull says something along the lines of like, "Oh, that loyalty in a like in a peon is is admirable." And and he goes, "Well, that's hard earned in human culture." Picard says that. So. Right. It's not a given in the same way. Yeah. Gosh, I really um, another parallel I want to bring up that I thought of was QAnon of like uh-huh. um uh he is a conspiracist i guess that's believing reason, your own truths yeah i i know i trust me i know this because i believe it because i yeah. figured it out i yeah, saw yeah. through the matrix and now i know that this is because of where this station was that it couldn't have been a science station totally uh, um, it, that was what it was he had big conspiracy theory energy but that's the the symptoms of ptsd you know yeah. you you can't shut it off and Jake and I were talking about this um, sort of brainwashing thing. I watched this episode of a thing. I was thinking of um, a, a part where it's about like um, this need to feel impactful and to be able to like take away the curtain and you know see like the house of cards underneath and be yeah. able to knock that over and see that. Um, like how he was talking about the Federation as a whole and how it's just bureaucracy and it stinks. It's musty like bureaucracy in this office um, was really tied to this thing that I just watched about uh, brainwashing that was specifically talking about QAnon type stuff. Yeah, it's a specific like dog whistly type of things. Like he was throwing out those types of phrases like, oh, it smells like must like must be a bureaucrat's office. Like that's just a weird thing to say. Yeah, (laughs) but that's his prejudice, right? It's those tactics that he doesn't trust to convince and he He's convinced a whole crew to follow him. Right. Yeah. That's where I think the writing actually is kind of solid in his insanity a little bit because yes. it's it's it doesn't that's sound true. rational to me, but you can hear how he's rationalized. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point. I did. Uh, I didn't notice the writing because I believed the writing in that, <laughs> in that scene in the yeah. ready room of how steadfastly Maxwell believes in what he's doing and how mm. Picard deals with that. I thought was a really, really good scene. Um, and it shows that in the 90s, they were dealing with the same sort of um, lack of, of one <sighs> consistent truth that we're dealing with again. Yeah. And even now, when we have so much information available to us, it just gets... That's the problem. Yeah. Overall, I mean, oh, and we also had some songs from O'Brien and then songs with Maxwell, which was... We kind of skipped around, but l- let me just summarize the whole episode and kind of what happens is we get like, well, we get the potato casserole scene. This is right. like the B plot, I guess, is their their little experimentation with food. Uh, but we also story. essentially we track down the Phoenix. Uh, they're killing more Cardassians as we get to them. And uh, we eventually we get... actually have a scene where we only see it happening from far away and we can't do anything to stop it. And it right. brings those numbers. It's not an enemy ship. Those were 600 people. That was 50 people like that. It translates from dots on a screen to lives. Right. It's a very like cold calculating reality that all of a sudden we're brought into. Right. And Data so we- is narrating as it happens. Yeah, yeah. In a very like, oh, gosh, you can't do anything. You are powerless here. He's looking at his little control, you know. Yep. And that's how yeah. we see it in the console. <laughs> console. That's console. the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
we get Maxwell on board. We have that scene we talked about in the ready room. And then Maxwell is somehow allowed to just come back with us in his car. And uh, he, of course, embarrass him. Yeah. 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 The scene where they're confronting crazy Picard is like, let me let you save face. You're still a captain. Technically, they're equal rank. But like throwing him in the brig was the right thing to do there because, you know, he just murdered 650 innocent people. I yelled at my TV at the same time. A quick little counterpoint, though, because we just talked about it. If Maxwell was so convinced the entire crew of the Phoenix must have been convinced, or at least up to following orders, bringing up QAnon, you've got to deal with this whole ship of people that if we take their captain, now we have mutiny. Yeah. You have to de-radicalize the entire ship. Yeah, And the only way to get them is to tell a better story than what they know, and that's the truth. And he'll be a mart. He'll be a martyr too if he gets thrown exactly. in the break. Interesting. So that's the only rationale that I was like, "This is so out of character for Picard to, right, right. to yeah. do this." Um, yeah. But in that context, who knows? But it's still a, a big more. plot hole. No, I it hear is. you, Becca. It it's is. still b- kind of bananas. Especially. So here's the thing: is we never see that crew. In fact, when right. we, when when O'Brien manages to sneak over onto the With ship because of a twentieth of a second, yeah, and 150th. his knowledge of their deal, yeah, One, yeah whatever, oh, a small amount does. of that time, he can jump over to the ship. Um, we only see it from uh, Maxwell's like quarters, mm-hmm. so we never actually see their bridge or any of the other crew. So we kind of forget about. There's probably a whole crew that's on board with this in some way. They're going to build another set. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you could just use the existing bridge because this ship just looks like the Enterprise (laughs) with a hat. There's a space shot where there's the two ships looking at each other. And it's like, are they the same from a low angle? And you come up, that one's wearing a hat. That one's got a hat It's the cloche for the saucer section. (laughs) (laughs) This is a uh, a Nebula class ship. The first time Uh we've seen one, apparently. Yeah, it's nacelles are like a little bit lower and closer. It doesn't have a big body, but it has Nacelle? like a cell. What is this word? Oh, the two things that are on the sides of the ship. Those are they the have nacelles. a name. Yeah, the yeah. Port nacelle, the everything has cell. a name in Star Trek. It's, okay. Somebody's named a part of a ship. I guarantee you. But yeah, they're right. like the engines in the back. So here's what I want to know. Okay, I don't know where Nebula is in terms of our class D or whatever, but they look like almost the same ship, probably equal powered. Like you're, I think you're supposed to assume that if they were to get into a firefight. They would be equally powered. But um, this one fiftieth of every second, there is, a, for a transporter expert, you could transport aboard between their shields when they're powering up to fire their weapons, mm-hmm. is crazy because that means you could do that onto the Enterprise. Right. But if they had the knowledge, which is why it would be like it's something that only a transporter chief would know or even pick up on type of thing. Every ship has a transporter chief. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also served on board that ship, and he knew it was it was actually specific to no the f- different ship. That was the Rutledge. This is the Phoenix. Oh, oh trick checked a bitch. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Zing. Yeah. Uh, chalkboard. Becca yeah. one. Well, yeah, you're right, Brian. But what O'Brien says is that he knows how their shield works. It uses a high energy sensor system, which cycles every five point five minutes, and the fiftieth of a second. He get on board it yeah. takes the skill to be able to transport within that time period. yeah he he even was like i know i could do, do it i know <laughs> um, back way this was a good scene just acting one yeah but yeah so o'brien confronts maxwell in his quarters right and maxwell almost can't be talked down but he, o'brien reminds him that he served with him and he also was experienced the same trauma and 
Yeah, that was the main thing of we. they sent him over to unlock sort of like a humanity side of him to sort of see what he's doing logically. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, also in this docu-series I was watching, uh-huh. it's, it's about like making him feel that he's heard and understood. Yes. And that he his feelings aren't wrong. They come from a place of what actually he suffered. Yeah. And there's... There's really great acting in this scene, despite, you know, all of my problems with the greater implications and metaphor, where he breaks down and he says, women and children died. And yet at the same time is oblivious to the fact that he just murdered he just a bunch of that. women and children. He just did that. Yeah, he's doing the same thing. What a hypocrite. But I was waiting for him pain. to say that or someone to say that to him, but nobody ever did. <laughs> But because, like O'Brien, doesn't realize what he's doing in the yeah. turbo lift, yeah, Maxwell, yeah, on a much off, more awful level, doesn't realize what he's doing in his revenge. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, this is a good point, Becca. That like he realizes it through when they're just sharing the grief about that one uh, guy who Stumpy died or whatever. Stumpy, yeah, <laughs> and they sing their song. There isn't actually like a point that Miles makes to him. He, right. Maxwell realizes it himself. He's like, uh, we're done. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be able to win this. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that he was giving up his belief at all. He was just admitting defeat in it. Yeah. I mean, heavy stuff wow. for a sci-fi show. That's a weekly series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're tra- tackling some big issues. You heard how heated we got. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But that's uh, what I the, did like yeah. the song is about a warrior bard. That sings his songs and goes to fight. It was a weird choice. Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> oh, yeah? uh, I I loved their singing of it. Oh yeah. I thought. Well, I did read in Memory Alpha that uh-huh. this wasn't actually a part of the script. This was like, hold on. I think we've got. We could do a song thing here. They like figured out that the Irish connection led to you know. Uh, Bar the, songs and this kind of this yeah. the minstrel boy. Yeah, this came about on set. They kind wow, of figured this okay. out for the actors. I like actors. it better now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The minstrel boy. It was. Uh, yeah, they came up with it uh, like on that. It wasn't originally written in. I love that. I love that that became a thing too because you don't get singing in this very often, That's and when true. you do, it's not always. Good. <laughs> it's yeah. usually alien. Right. In right. our experience, <laughs> or a trombone. <laughs> uh, but man, anytime data plays. But I also love that we get into these episodes where we have to, like, get into it. And I, I appreciate that Star Trek does make us have to think like this. We can't always have data's days. Sometimes we have to have right. some of these, too. Yeah, That's and true. a strongly contrasted scheduling choice. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, again, like, data, data's day was, like, a, an assembly of a ton of things that happened to have, like, finally Chief O'Brien was actually a focus of something. But now Chief O'Brien was, like, a real plot point here. Right? And yeah. I can't wait to continue on in Chief O'Brien's <laughs> next generation. I know we're done with the episode, <laughs> but I just, there. for Cole Meany's sake, we should probably shout out um, his monologue in 10 Forward, where he describes how he yes. almost died. Yeah. And uh, he he like the the way he killed a man and a it changed it forever. Was given to him, but it was set to full, and he didn't realize. And he, he evaporated never killed anything. a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, heavy thing to drop right as we were wrapping things up. <laughs> but, no, but, yeah, uh, but Meany nailed, nailed that delivery. Yes, I thought. powerful it was, monologue. Yeah. It was. I did have a moment of like he knows he's given a monologue right now. Right. <laughs> But otherwise, I thought it was meaningful and it gave a lot of um, powerful backstory as to why he has such a strong opinion. Yes. Yes. Well, next week, we've got some other heavy content, potentially, because it's 
Devil's Due, the 13th episode of the fourth season where the Enterprise responds to a distress signal where a planet is in chaos over the return of a being who claims to be the devil. <gasps> it me. <laughs> I'll see you there. See you there. Engage. Engage. <laughs>